I kind of kind of when Craig was putting together the roster at the start of the year, and um, I said to him, I kind of want this message to be a standalone. Like I kind of don't want it to connect it to the to the series that we did just before, and I don't want it to connect to this one because I really feel like this is this is a, a message that. It's going to speak to people on a personal level, and it's going to speak to each person slightly differently. And I think that this is, uh, I feel like this is a message that will carry you through the year. Does that make sense? I don't often say that very, at all, and, but I really feel it's, it's, it's going to be one of those messages that may not affect for, be, uh, for you right now, but what will happen is through the course of the year, some stuff's going to happen, and you're going to, you're going to refer back to, to what was said in this message. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So I really encourage you um, to take notes. I always encourage people to take notes, and maybe that's kind of the whole education background, but um, it helps to retain things. It helps to keep them fresh in your mind. If you're not that way inclined, then by all means, I would um, recommend, you know, download it on Podbean and listen to it again. It's got, like I said, it's going to be something that's going to be beneficial throughout the year. So we want to go to um, the book of Joshua. Now, I love the book of Joshua, and the reason why I love the book of Joshua is because it's all about fighting, (laughs) It's all about the battle. It's all about, you know, getting in there and, and, and coming up against the spiritual forces and actually defeating them. And whether you like it or not, you are in an army. You are actually a warrior. You are someone who needs to battle, and that is what we are called to do. It's not about Jesus and the green, green grass of the sweet little lamb. If that is your perception of Christianity, then that is completely wrong and somebody sold you a lie. Okay, your vision of Christianity needs to be fully armed with the armor of God, standing there with your sword and your shield ready to battle because that is what you got drafted into. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when he took you out of the kingdom of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of light, you literally signed up to serve in an army. So that's what we're going to talk about. So we're going to turn to, um, so we're going to start, we're going to be in, in uh, Joshua. And now the, the most obvious story in Joshua, of course, is uh, the one about Jericho, right? is the walls coming down for Jericho. Now, what I absolutely love about God, and you see it really well with this story, is that you have God's plan. Now, God's plan is to bring down the walls of Jericho and to usher the Israelites into Canaan, right? So that's the big plan. That's the, that's the goal. That's the vision. Like here, our church's vision is to be able to eventually build the Revive Center and be able to minister into our community, right? That's the big vision. The cool thing about God and the cool thing about the story that really demonstrates in this book of Joshua is that while that's the big vision for the corporate body, God actually has individual plans and purposes for each person. And so kind of hidden in amongst the story about um, the walls of Jericho coming down is this little story that we're going to look at, right, about a personal encounter that God was having with someone while all this other stuff is going on. And I want you to take a hold of that because while all this stuff is going on in your world, God is still reaching out, wanting a personal encounter with you. So Rahab, we're going to look at Rahab. Now Rahab was a hooker. She was a prostitute. She was a harlot. She was a whore. She was a soiled dove. Whatever term you want to use for what she was, that's what it was. She was a harlot. The interesting thing is that sometimes when people preach about this, they try to make it nice, and they say she was an innkeeper. Don't be fooled. She was not an innkeeper. She was a prostitute. She sold herself for money. She sold her body for money. And this is the story we're going to look at. The thing about this that's really exciting is that this is a story about a person who is completely imperfect. And I love that about God. 
Because God takes the throwaway things of this world, the things that are not perfect, the things that are, are not perceived as pure or good or right, and he takes these things and he completely turns people's lives around. See, he takes people who were, you know, born in the wrong time or the wrong place into the wrong family and he proves himself strong in your situation and in that situation. And God is always looking for imperfect people. He's always looking to be able to show himself strong, to show that he's really enabled. And he has a dream for each one of us. And when you become a Christian, he completely enlarges your life. He enlarges your tents. He expands your borders because he has this amazing plan that he doesn't tell you about right at the start. Because if he did, you would run screaming from it because you'd be too afraid to, to do it. Or else you'd go, there's no way I can do that. You see... We are actually called to walk by faith, not to live by fear, not to live by our skills, not to live by our talents, not to live by our, our resources or our finances. We are called to walk by faith. And if we are going to be a part of God's kingdom, then we actually have to live by faith. You see, the economic currency of heaven is faith. You want to be able to, to get things moving in your life. You want to see things transformed. You want to see miracles happen. You want to see things change and just shift. Then you need to have faith. That is how you get things to move. See, faith says that I put no limits on God, and God has no limits on faith. So that means that you can accomplish anything if you have faith for it. And Rahab is an amazing story about how to do this. Now, Rahab is mentioned three times in the New Testament. In Matthew 1.5, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. Then in Hebrews 11.31, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe, but when she had received the spies with peace. James 2.24-25, You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? James is saying that faith without works is lifeless, right? Talk is cheap. Being a Christian, is saying you're a Christian is one thing. Actually living that life is something else. You see, you need to live it out. You need to walk it out. I can say I am a member of Spartan Gym. Now, you may look at me and go, Trin, really? Right? Because I can say that, but do I actually go to the gym? Do I actually do the exercises? Do I, do I follow the eating plan? No, I don't. So am I really a member of Spartan Gym? It's the same thing with being a Christian. You can say you're a Christian. Are you reading your word? Are you attending church? Are you fasting? Are you praying? Are you tithing? Ooh, that one hurts. You see, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. We are bone of his bone. We are flesh of his flesh. We are not disconnected. Jesus is the head and we are the body, right? But we are joined and we are connected. And everything he wants us to do, he's given us the ability through faith to be able to do that. So let's look at the story of Rahab because she's going to teach you how we do that, right? So let's just, a little bit of background, right? So in this story, Moses is dead, right? So the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've gone through the Red Sea. They went to go into Canaan originally, and they had a bit of a hissy fit in the meltdown. It was too hard. We aren't going to do it. So then they've spent 40 years wandering the desert. And now Moses has died because he was leading them, right? And Joshua is now the new leader, president, mayor, whatever, whatever title you want to give him, Joshua is now in charge, right? And so they come again 
to Canaan. They come again to Jericho. And Joshua is like, uh, last time I, we sent out a bunch of spies and it didn't work out. So this time I'm just going to send two guys. I'm going to send two guys out. They're going to spy out the land, all right? And then we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Now historians tell us that Jericho was actually um, an agrarian society, right? They they reckon there was about 50,000 people who lived in Jericho, right? And they went to see a harlot. Now you may be thinking they went there for some, you know, dodgy purposes, but in all honesty, if you want to get the heartbeat of a city, if you want to know what's going down in a city, you go to the bar, you go to the pub, right? Because people talk and people gossip and when the, the alcohol is flowing, people's lips start wagging. So these guys go there. And in verse 2, And it was told to the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, "Uh, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And as it happened, the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with uh, stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof. So let's just quickly recap this, right? Jericho has heard about Israel. Well, what did they hear? They heard that they decimated Egypt as they left. They heard that the Red Sea parted and that it completely wiped out the army. They heard about the other miracles that God had been performing for them for the last 40 years, and so they knew stuff. Rahab's bar has been watched because the men were there. We can't find them now. So there'll be soldiers, people watching, seeing what's going on. Rahab has hidden these spies, right? She's hidden them and she's been interrogated about where these men are. There is a moment in time and it's a God moment when the decision that you will make will absolutely change the course of your life. You see, Rahab made this choice in faith. She completely turned her back on everything that she knew. She lied to the king, and she, was in, she risked her life. You have to understand, this is actually kind of huge. Verse 9. And, oh, sorry, where am I? Oh, and then she uh, laid down. She came up to them on the roof, and she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. So Rahab has betrayed everyone. She's betrayed her people. She's betrayed her king. She's betrayed her God. She's betrayed everything. Why would she do this? It was really simple. We have heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All of Jericho had heard, but Rahab heard 
and she believed. And I find it quite interesting because why is it that we can hear the word of God and we can have our lives completely changed and we have people sitting in the same service who hear the same message, read the same Bible, and yet their lives stay exactly the same? Because while it may be a case of have we have heard, the question becomes, are you listening? We have heard, verse, verse 11, and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. This is an absolutely amazing statement from a woman who's an Amorite, who is a prostitute, who worships the God Mullah. She has everything wrong in her life, and yet when she heard the word of God, she made a choice to believe. She believes in a God she had never seen. She has never heard his voice. She's never participated in any of the rituals that the, the Israelites had done. She has believed about this God because she heard something. We have got the written word of God. We have the blood of the lamb. You have a shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. We've got everything we need to go out and take the land. And have we heard, but are we listening? Because Rahab heard and she believed. And in all honesty, God has not made this, this life of faith hard. He really hasn't. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are you hearing the word of God? Are you reading the word of God? Or are you just rocking up every Sunday and thinking that's going to be sufficient? If you know, if you have heard the word of God, and you know that he is God in heaven above, and you know that he is God in the earth beneath, then anything that you are going through, he will see you through. You have faith for it. You see, the circumstances that you are looking at, the circumstances that you've become fearful of, or the circumstances that sway your faith, they are the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Your circumstances are not death itself. It's just the shadow of death. So when you know who God is, and you know who God is because you've heard his word, you've spent time in his presence, when you know that, you can stand on it saying, I know that he is God in heaven above, and I know that he is God of the earth beneath, that means that this circumstance is a shadow and I will not fear. Verse 12. Now therefore I beg you, this is Rahab speaking to the spies still, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours if none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we shall deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window of a house that was on the city wall, because she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of ours, which you have made us swear, Unless, when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your own home. So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house and into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head as if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours then we will be free from your oath which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. Did you know that the Hebrew word for rope is the same as the Hebrew word for hope? It's the word tikva. It means strong, 
hopeful, confidence, expectancy, something I long for. Now, firstly, Rahab believed God. She took a risk. She put her entire life on the line. The thing that you have to remember for us is that we can do nothing for God without crucifying our own flesh. You see, I must crucify my own flesh. I must crucify my ambitions. I must crucify my intimidations. I must crucify my fears. And to be honest, standing up here and preaching, I find the easiest of, of, of things to do. I really do. But do you know what scares me? Having to say hello to somebody I don't know. Every Sunday morning, I get this knot in my stomach because there's going to be somebody at church and I haven't said hello to them before and I'm going to have to do it. That scares me. Getting up here, I find a piece of cake. But talking to somebody I've never met before absolutely frightens me. But you know what I have to do? I have to crucify that reserved part of my personality. I have to crucify that to be able to do the things that God has asked me to do, which is to pastor this church. So every Sunday, I get worried, I get anxious, and I go, okay, deep breath, we can do this. And to be honest, I actually want to talk to people. It's not that I don't want to talk to people, so don't get me wrong. Like if I, it's just, I don't know why. It's obviously just some sort of holdover from when I was a kid or something. But we have to. There are things in your life that you have to die to because we are no longer our own. We are bought with a price. You are no longer in determining in your own life the things that you do. You follow what God says that you do, right? That's how this works. If you want to do something significant for God, if you want to raise a godly family and, and have a wonderful, fulfilling marriage and be successful in your business or be, have a successful life, be successful in school and all those things, then you literally have to die to things in your life. You have to take a risk. The second thing that Rahab did was she hung a rope of hope out her window. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You may have lost the vision that you had for your life. But God wants you to actually have a life of significance, not just a life of success, because success is not always significant. You may be thinking, oh, well, I don't have a vision, or I don't have any hope, and things have gone on, and, and you don't know the things that I've walked through. And you're right, I don't know the things that you've walked through. But I do know that where God is, there is always hope. You see, hope is hung outside of our life, not where we can see it. It is fastened to something on the inside of us, and it hangs on the outside. You see, it's not for you to bring the promises of God to pass in your own life. That's for him to do. You, that's not for you to do. Like, I think we quite often get confused and we think we're supposed to bring these things about in our own life. You're not. He does that because you stand and you say, okay, God, I believe that you are God in heaven. I believe that you are the God of the earth and you promised this. So I'm going to stand on your promises. I've got my hope hanging out. I am fully trusting in the integrity of your word and I believe that you I believe in you and your words and not in the circumstances that I'm seeing. Hebrews 6, 12 says like this, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath of confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the ears of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay a hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, 
and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever in the order, according to the order of Melchizedek. So what is God saying? Because that's kind of a big passage, right? Men swear by God if they don't know Jesus. We all swear by something greater than ourselves. And since there is nothing or no one greater than God, he swore by his own name. It's like when you're trying to convince somebody or something, and you say, I, like we would say, I swear to God, or I swear to, to whoever. Sometimes people say, I swear on my grandmother's grave. And they're lying to you because their grandmother's still alive. But we all swear by something greater than ourselves. And for God, there is no one greater, so he swore by his name. Rahab took a risk. She took a step of faith. She had absolutely nothing but the word that she had heard. And she left her past behind when she went forward with the future into something of God's, God's word and a rope hanging out the window. Rahab didn't have the blood of Jesus. She didn't have a Bible to read. She couldn't look at the cross. She couldn't go to revive Pukekohe. She didn't have a connect group that she belonged to. All she had was a rope hanging out her window. And that rope is an anchor to your soul. Because what does an anchor do? First and foremost, it makes ships stable, right? God says you've got hope. It's an anchor for your soul. It will hold you steady in times of crisis. It will keep you in the house of God when all hell is breaking loose. See, there are two immutable things that we know about the anchor that God has given us. The first one is that God confirmed it with an oath by a blood covenant. We had the blood covenant of Jesus to confirm that he is true to his word. Not only that, but God put his name on it. God has promised. If God has said... You see, when the devil says to you that you can't have your healing or you can't have a saved family member or when you're um, hanging that rope out the window, no matter what the enemy is saying, you've got to understand and remember, it is anchored by a blood covenant. God promised. He has put his name on it. And if God doesn't come through because he's put his name on it, then everything that he is completely unravels. That is how much confidence God has in his word. That is how much confidence we have in his word. The promises of God are a blood covenant, therefore they are yes and amen. Now Rahab herself, she doesn't have Hebrews chapter 6. She didn't have that to read through and, and know that God had promised it to that degree. Sometimes the rope of hope actually has to hang through some things. You see, she invited her whole entire family, those to be saved, she invited them into her home. And we know, having just done lockdowns, how stressful that is, Right? because they couldn't leave the house. They couldn't leave her house. They had to stay. What Rahab didn't know is that it was actually going to take those spies 30 days to return to Joshua. She didn't know that. She was thinking, probably thinking a couple of days. 30 days it took them. She also didn't know that Joshua was actually going to have to deal with a few things. So it wasn't like it was 30 days and then a couple of days back. No, no, it was going to take some time. She didn't know that they were going to have to cross the Jordan River. She didn't know that all the men were going to have to be circumcised at Gilgal to roll the reproach of Israel away. She didn't know any of this. She didn't know that there were going to be delays, right? She just had her rope hanging out her window. And when you've got your rope hanging out your window, there will be delays. It may take some time. You may be thinking to yourself, God, why is this taking so long? It's not God saying no. It's God just saying, it's not your time. It's not your season. You just hang on. And sometimes we may be hanging on by the skin of our teeth, but you just got to keep hanging on. Rahab's rope hung out the window, and she couldn't see that. She couldn't see. She, can't, she couldn't leave the house. She couldn't see the outside of the of the wall. 
The only ones who could actually see that rope were the spies or the, or the Israelites when they came. You, but the other thing you have to understand is her house was on the outer wall, right? And we know the story. that they, we, know, we know what happened. So her house is on the outer wall. And if, if you jump over to Joshua chapter 6, it says that Jericho was completely shut up tight. So the people of Jericho were afraid by this stage. And so they completely shut the gates. And Israel rocks up, right? Like they see them coming and Israel rocks up. And then, of course, they do something strange, right? They, they walk around. Just walk around. I'm just going to walk around this. And everybody's like, what are they doing? Next day they come back out. Silence. We're just going to walk around. I find it interesting that people of Jericho didn't like throw things. Didn't like attack them. They all just stood there in fear. Like, you know, we'll just let them walk around. Rahab is in her home. She's under suspicion. She's got all of her family living there. The stress in the house would have been astronomical, right? Can you imagine the stress? See, walking by faith is not easy. It really isn't. It takes guts, and it takes courage, and it takes patience, and you just have to keep hanging a rope out. And then gets to that seventh day, and they keep marching around, not just once, but they keep marching around. And as they did that, of course, you know the story, and they blew their trumpets, and the walls begin to crumble down. So here's Rahab in her home on the wall, and all the walls around her are starting to crumble. There are times when you've got nothing but your rope hanging out your window, and your entire life is beginning to crumble. And you just absolutely have to hold on. See, hope will overcome delays, and will overturn delays, and will overcome obstacles. God did not spare Rahab the earthquake. He did not spare her the cries of war. He did not spare her the devastation going on around her. But what he did do was he kept her safe through it. Can I just have Cullum on the keys, please? In your life, when you're holding on to God's promises, you may not be spared the earthquake or anything else. And it may be a case of you've got this broken down wall and all you've got is this window barely hanging together and you've just got your rope out. But God is God in the heavens and he's God of the earth and his promises will come to pass on this earth. They may be delayed. They may not happen when you want. They may not look the way that you want. But they will happen if you keep hanging your rope out. Rahab and her family would have heard everybody crying because they went in and they slaughtered everybody. Men, women, children, everybody was done, like was slaughtered, right? She would have heard them crying. She would have heard the devastation. She would have seen the, the walls coming down. She would have felt the shaking of the earth. She would have seen the carnage and the blood. God didn't spare her that. And sometimes we have those moments where we're like, where is God in this because I can't see him? But if you have your rope hanging, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at the temporary. But you fix your eyes on heaven. You fix your eyes on the promises of God. Because he may not spare you from the hurt and the anguish, but he will be with you and he will take you through. He will take you through. And then the, the war is over, the battle's over. And Joshua says, take Rahab and her family outside the camp because she's not one of them. She, she's not a part of them. She's an Amorite. She doesn't worship their God. She, she, she's not family. She's not connected to them. So, so Joshua's like, she can't be with us. Take her outside the camp. And she's outside the camp because she's the wrong race 
She's the wrong profession. She has the wrong God. She has everything wrong. And yet even in amongst all of that, she's not afraid. She's not afraid of the delays because she hung her rope out and she never moved it. During the earthquake and during the sorrow and during the pain, she never moved it. And if you read through, you see little snippets of verses here and there throughout the rest of the Bible. And something really amazing and absolutely incredible happened. Rahab married Solomon, who was one of the spies. And Rahab had a baby. And, his ba- and that baby's name was Boaz. And Boaz had a baby. And his name was Obed. And Obed had a baby. And his name was Jesse. And Jesse had a baby. And his name was David. And David had a baby. And down through the generations. And his name was Jesus. She was the wrong race. She had the wrong God. She was a woman. She had the wrong profession. And yet still, because of her faith, she gets named in the lineage of Jesus. Hope will absolutely overrule every restriction in your life. Hope will overturn every delay because through those delays, when you receive the promise, those delays actually don't matter anymore. What's marching around your window? Is it sickness? Is it cancer? Is it relationship issues? Is it ministry? Is it a poor marriage? Is it infertility? Is it financial pressure, financial struggles? What is marching around your window? Do you have your rope of hope? Do you have it secured and anchored? And do you have it hanging out your window? Why don't we get to our feet?